Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 24. Paul called by God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Thank you, Joseph, and uh, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, my name is Johnny. I'm one of the, one of the pastors of the church here. Do keep that open if you can. We're going, to be, uh, we're going to be looking back at those verses together now. Now, if you, I, uh, if you identify as a Christian, I wonder if you've ever asked yourself uh, a question like, have I made this all up? Is it just make-believe? Am I, am I just going to believe in a good story that's been made up by others and I'm kind of following along and, and taken along by it? Or I wonder if you've if you've ever wondered if your faith in Jesus has any real power in your life. Or, or, or maybe ask yourself, am I doing this good enough? I mean, they're all questions that at times I've found myself uh, wondering and asking about myself. And I think they're not bad questions to ask. Actually, whatever your beliefs are, uh, to ask those kind of questions of it. I don't think it makes you a bad Christian to ask big and important questions like that. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, wrote this little bit of the Bible that Joseph just read to us, uh, this letter to the Galatians, he thought through those kind of questions at times as well. At least because others accused him of those sorts of things. And so this passage, I think, is helpful to us this week because it shows us what Paul does. When others throw that kind of accusation out of him, where does he go? What does he do? How does he find answers and resolutions to those questions? Basically, uh, to kind of try and bring us up to speed, uh, some of you will, will, will know because you've heard a few sermons on this already, that there's a fight going on over the Galatian Christians between Paul the Apostle and these other religious teachers who are called Judaizers, these uh, Jewish teachers from Jerusalem who, who are now Christians. And what's happening is these Judaizers are going around after Paul, where he's been. Paul goes around, he preaches the gospel, he plants a church. And they're going around and following and saying, no, 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 you don't want to listen to Paul. He's teaching, he's teaching uh, wrong stuff. 
Uh, and they're teaching this other message behind him and kind of hating on what Paul is doing on his message uh, and his ministry. And so this debate has kind of erupted as a result of that over who has the divine message from God and whose message is a man-made message that has no real authority or power. Is it Paul or is it these Judaizers? It's an important debate. Um, to, to, to understand the importance, uh, think about this. Imagine you were given a check that had been written and signed uh, for £1 million by Bill Gates. That's pretty good money, isn't it? You, you, you know you can bank that, and, and that, is, that, is gonna go, that, that, that is good for you. Now imagine if you were given an IOU for a million pounds, signed by, I don't know, uh, your child or something. Or me, <laughs> just as laughable. <laughs> You you kind of know there's two different values in those two pieces of paper. One is going to deliver and live up to the promise. The other one, not so much. Not so much. You know, the question of who is backing the promises, who is backing the message, can they deliver, is really, really significant. And Paul writes here in defense that his gospel, his good news, his message is from God, and it is of God, and so it has the power of God in his life and in the lives of God. Of others. This is the talk today. It's the gospel of God. You see, there's these two ways that Paul is under attack uh, in Galatia. One is of his ministry as an apostle, and the other is his message of the gospel. The haters are saying Paul's a second-rate apostle. He's got a second-rate message. Now, the apostles are those who who, who had uh, personally met Jesus and were commissioned by Jesus to represent him. Uh, most of the apostles, when the church was being started, were um, the twelve. Guys that have been uh, the closest guys have been following around Jesus and been with him for three years and, and, uh, and, and spent lots of time with him teaching and training. Paul wasn't one of them. He was like a Johnny come lately. He came along later. He only met Jesus after his death and his resurrection for, for the first time. And so they're saying, listen, you're not the real deal. Paul, your apostleship's kind of championship level at best. You're not the Premier League or, or the Champions League. But they're also claiming that he had learned his gospel, his message, from the apostles, those Jerusalem apostles. And so therefore his, his message is kind of secondhand. So he's learned it from them. And then he's gone off and he's, he's planted all these churches. And he's gone off by himself and he's got all mixed up. And he's kind of lost the thread and he, he's, just, he's just made a hash of it. And, and so they're saying, listen, Paul, your message is a human message. You go around and you change your message to suit the audience. So, so you're preaching this message of cheap grace and you're attracting all of these non-Jewish followers to, uh, to Christianity and to Jesus, but you're denying them the very truth of God. And so what these, uh, these teachers in Jerusalem are doing, they're going around and they're going to places like Galatia Galatia and they're saying, Galatians, look, here's the stuff that Paul didn't teach you. Here's the stuff that you, you really need to know if you're going to be okay with God. Here's, here's the stuff that he left out that he should have really told you. Paul's gospel is all messed up. It's not in line with the true gospel. And so they're going around doing that and, and thinking they're clearing up his mess, but in truth, they're creating a mess of themselves. They're attacking Paul. They're saying, listen, Paul, your message is man-made, and it's not God's honest truth. And they're telling people not to listen to him, and they're leading, um, leading people astray. And so Paul writes here in defense of his ministry as an apostle, and of his message of the gospel. We're going to unfold the defense over the next three weeks, next three sermons. Today, basically, what Paul says is that, no, my message is not of human origin. My message is up from God. It hasn't been shaped by humans. It's God's own truth, and so it has the power of God for salvation. 
and for transforming lives. Next week, we'll see that Paul shows, yeah, my message is from God, but actually my message lines up with the, the, the gospel that the Jerusalem apostles have as well. They, they authenticate it. They agree with it. They've, they, 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 they've, they've approved of my ministry and my message. And then in two weeks, he'll say, I don't just walk the walk. I, I don't just talk the talk, but I walk the walk as he shows how he lives out a gospel-shaped life. But today is all about his, about his message being the truth of God and comes from God. And the way that he demonstrates that, that his message is from God and it's not shaped by humans is he retells his own story, his conversion and his, and his, and his early Christian life. And, and in the first instance, verse 12, um, Paul says that his gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not told to Paul by any person, but it's told to him by Christ himself. He didn't receive it from any man. He received it from God directly himself. And then following that, in verse 16, he goes on to say that he didn't consult any human to confirm what he knew of Christ. And so he hasn't had this gospel that's been shaped or influenced by people in any way. And he hasn't got this second-hand gospel that's been messed up. And so others can say, no, you need to come back under our authority. The way that Paul illustrates this is by basically telling us his travel itinerary for a few years. It's like you might just kind of think, what's going on there? Verses 17 to 22, and there's a fuller record of this in in the book of Acts in chapter 9. Now, let me just explain it briefly to you, because it's worth us just seeing the point that he's making as he he explains where he's been going. And I've got a map, and I've got some dates to help us. So this is the world uh, around Paul's time. And, And he says, first of all, I was in Damascus, and probably from the years A.D. 33 to 36, uh, and this is when he got converted, probably in A.D. 33, uh, just outside the city uh, of Damascus. And he basically spent three years knocking around there. We know from Acts that he preached uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus as the Son of God. He proved to people in Damascus that Jesus was the Messiah. But it seems that he also retreated to this kind of what, what he calls Arabia. But it's kind of, this is like a region. So he probably just kind of heads out of Damascus for a while. Probably, I think, for a retreat and to spend some time with God alone, reading the scriptures, uh, praying, reflecting, hammering out his theology. Now, what happens? About three years in, a conspiracy to kill Paul arises. And so there's a story, some of you know it, where he escapes from Damascus in a basket out of the city wall. Uh, And he goes to Jerusalem, uh, just down here, for a short visit in probably 36, for about two weeks. And he does a bit of preaching. He tells us here, I went to Jerusalem because I wanted to see Cephas. That's Peter, one of the apostles. And he also met James, another of the apostles. But none of the other apostles were around. They're probably out doing ministry and preaching and stuff. So he's there for two weeks, and he meets a couple of the Jerusalem apostles. And then um, he sails up north to uh, the uh, region of Syria and Cilicia. And he goes to Caesarea and, uh, and, and sails up there, up the Mediterranean Sea. And he spends the next 11 years around that region. That's where he's from. A place called Tarsus is up there, which is where Paul hailed from. And so it seems like he's going home, spending a bit of time there. We know that he preached the gospel there as well. And then a guy called Barnabas came and got him and took him to a place called Antioch, which is also quite far up north. Uh, And it was a really lively church there. They were starting to raise up and train missionaries and sending them out. And so Paul gets taken to Antioch. Now, now this is the point he's making, okay? If, If that lost you, don't worry. This is the point. And and this is the thing that that he's wanting to say from his conversion to when he started his his, uh, preaching the gospel on missionary journeys in places like Galatia. That was about 14 years. 
in between from when he got converted to when he started really doing most of his ministry. And in that time, he spent hardly any time in Jerusalem. Two weeks, basically. And he spent very little of that time with the Jerusalem apostles. So there wasn't that chance for him to be massively shaped and influenced by the human authorities and the human message. He just wasn't there. Most of it happened elsewhere for Paul. And this is a really uh, important point he emphasizes. He says, I assure you before God that this is no lie. I was in Jerusalem for a couple of weeks in 14 years. I only met two uh, apostles. And so uh, the, the church in Judea, which is the region around Jerusalem down the bottom, they don't know me personally. They've just heard about me. They've heard that the guy who was persecuting is now preaching and they praise God because of me. But I've never met most of them. See, when, when the challenging questions come, whether from within here or from out there, have you just made it all up? Are you just believing this human man-made message? Is this really true? Is this really from God? Does this have power? Is it worth it? Paul reminds himself and others of his Christian story. Now, his, in some senses, is quite unique because he literally uh, met the risen Jesus face-to-face not long after Jesus had, had, had risen and, and, and ascended to heaven. And he was called as an apostle, which is unique and different to most of us uh, in his experience. But also, it's the same as for all of us, for every Christian. We have the same experience broadly and the same realities underpin our lives. Jesus has called us. He has revealed himself to us. And we are sent by him. Listen, there's there's two key verses in what Paul writes here that I think will help us just uh, unlock this for us uh, as, as we remember the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives and the good news of his ongoing power in our lives, which we need to remember. Verse 12, Paul says that God revealed his son to him. God revealed, uh, um, he received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. God revealed his son to Paul. And then in verse 16, he says that God was pleased to reveal his son in him. In, or you could say through Paul. God reveals his son to him and through him. That's how we're going to unpack this. Firstly, God's eternal plan to reveal himself to us in Jesus. This is where it starts for the Christian. This is the starting block of the race. This is the way into this life. Jesus revealed to you. Verse 12 says, um, Christian of Lights on Blues, thank you. Um, it's, it's a revelation uh, from Jesus. But there's two ways of that, that word from, there's two meanings to it. It's from Jesus, it is, but it's also a revelation of Jesus. And so that means Jesus showing himself to you. So you see who he is, you see what he's like, and you get to know him and believe in him. So if you have not yet seen and believed things about Jesus, if he's not the center of what it means for you to be a Christian, of how you understand that, of how you think about that, of your experience of that, then it is possible that you just haven't yet got it. It could be that instead you're following the traditions of your fathers, uh, as Paul writes. You're, you're following the rules and the lifestyle choices or a certain way of living that's been handed down to you by your family or, or your friends or from your parents. But never really got Christ for yourself. See, a, a Christian, being, becoming a Christian is about 
meeting and knowing Jesus. Meeting and knowing Jesus. It's a a clue in, in the name. In the book of Hebrews, the pastor writes that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus shows God to us. Jesus is the one through whom God speaks when he wants to communicate to people. And so becoming a Christian is like God flicks on a light switch in your soul and the light goes up and you see the glory of Christ. You see how great Jesus is. You realize what he's like. You see the one who is the image of God and it so impresses you that you give your whole life and your existence back to him. Now, maybe for some of us, we need to come to that moment today. For Christ to be revealed to us. It not just to be something that's handed down or some lifestyle or whatever else from elsewhere, but Christ revealed to us. For Paul, that was a pretty surprising thing to happen. Think of the person that you know who you think is least likely to become a Christian. Double it and you've got Paul. He's that type of guy, isn't he? I mean, he tells us what he was doing. He was happily going about his business, advancing into Judaism, into the traditions of his Jewish fathers. He was persecuting the church. That means physically abusing and hurting and inflicting pain and suffering and even death on people for being Christians, trying to destroy the church because he cared so passionately about all the Jewish stuff that he was into. And he was so zealously pursuing what he cared about in life Nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. On the way to Damascus, pursuing that, breathing out these murderous threats against the Christians, going around to chuck, chuck them in prison, and boom, Jesus just comes and he just says, no, Paul, no. Jesus steps in and everything changes. In verse 15, Paul says, but when God... When according to his grace and his pleasure, God interrupts our lives, he turns our story around. And there's nothing that we can do to stop him. Jesus steps into Paul's life and he goes from being a persecutor to a preacher. The very people he was persecuting. I mean, I mean that's just kind of like that. I don't know. That's just funny, isn't it? That's just funny. You see, God can overcome. Jesus can overcome the most stubborn resistance. Men like Paul, they're so single-minded, they're so proud, they're so confident and certain in what they believe and, uh, and how they live. They don't often have their minds changed by other men or other people. It takes the work of God to turn that kind of person around. And God can, and God does. So listen, don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Don't lose perspective for those in your family, those friends of yours, those in the workplace who you've just got used to thinking of as lost causes to the gospel. We all have them. Jesus is in the business of doing this with the most unlikely of people. Like, like a guy who's, uh, I guess, an acquaintance of mine who was deep into the gang life in a really profound way. And Jesus just stepped in and turned him around. He's now preaching the gospel to people who are in uh, danger of going into that kind of life. Or, or the imam I heard about recently in Pakistan who trusted in Christ when he heard the gospel. 
a few months later, he was riddled by, uh, with bullets by extremists, and yet he was eternally safe. However hard-hearted a person may seem or be, however unlikely to follow Christ, when the light of the glory of Christ shines into someone's life and into their heart, they will see and they will adore. We can't help that. Don't lose hope for those people around you. Pray for them. But if you've had that experience yourself, of seeing and believing who Jesus is. This is the Son of God. And, and he's been revealed to you. And that, for some people, that does look spectacular. And they've got some great stories to tell. For others like me, it just looks relatively ordinary and boring. And I just want us to realize how eternally secure we are. Just look, look at verse 15 for a moment. This, this revelation of Christ is, is the third link in this chain of things uh, that keeps us eternally secure. So firstly, God, God sets us apart. Paul says, I've been set, I was set apart from my mother's womb. That's the first link in the chain. Then at a certain point in time, God calls by his grace. And he does that by revealing the third link, his son to us. See, this isn't a man-made idea or message because it originates in the heart and the mind of God. And it's a tale that is older than time. It's older than the world itself. In Ephesians, Paul writes this, God chose his people in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us before the creation of the world. See, this, this salvation, this revealing of Christ, this life that we have in him, it's not God's plan B. It's not an idea that God stumbled across at some point in history and thought, oh yeah, I'll give that a go. No, it was there from the beginning. It was his plan A. It was conceived in the heart and the mind of Father, Spirit, and Son before they'd even started to create physical world around us. Something greater and something deeper was going on before any of us ever lived, before any of us ever took a breath, before any of us did anything good or anything bad with our lives, before any of us ever set out on a particular path for or, or against God. Something went before that for Paul and for us. And so there's this bigger and there's this better story written in eternity past that holds us secure. Listen, this, this is a mystery. It's a mystery that we struggle to get our hearts and our heads around. I know that, but it is an amazing reality. Listen, if you're a Christian, God chose you. He knew you. He loved you. Even before he started those cosmic explosions that spat out this earth and this solar system and the galaxy. Even before any of that happened, God loved knew you. His heart was for you. I don't know if you've heard um, atheist scientists, scientists who don't believe in God, sometimes they marvel at the fact, they find this amazing fact that we are made of stardust because um, apparently life on Earth is the product of, it, of exploded stars. And so, and so they say, you're amazing because you're made of stardust. And, and they find in that a great explanation for beauty and joy and, and and, and dignity and hope in humanity. But for me, I just find that horribly impersonal and degrading. Like, I'm nothing more than just the burnt-out remains of a giant fireball, and that you're trying to convey I have worth and value from that. No, this evokes much greater dignity and value and beauty and joy. God set me apart from his own free and deliberate choice in the prehistory of eternity past. 
God knew me and loved me. God has called me by name in time and space to be his. God revealed himself to me in the glory and the greatness of his son. That's far more dignifying. There's so much more joy and life than that. Who could dream that up? Who would dare dream that up, that the God of the universe would do that for me and in me? This is the gospel of God. This is the good news of his eternal plan to reveal himself to his people in his son, Jesus, and for us to find life in that. This is not made up by humans. There's no human authority ultimately behind this. There's no human rationale or reasoning in it. It depends on the eternal nature and the eternal knowledge of God. And so it is more certain than the ground under our feet. God's eternal plan to reveal himself to us in Jesus. Oh, my slides have gone wrong. Okay. In your mind, write the same thing, but the two becomes a three. <laughs> okay. Don't know what happened there. God's eternal plan to reveal himself through us in Jesus. See, if, if Christ revealed to me is the start, uh, starting line of the Christian right, life, then Christ revealed through me is the rest of the Christian life. It's the whole shebang. It is my Christian life and experience. It is my growth. This is what Paul says. There's a subtle change in emphasis in verse 16. He, he writes, God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, not only to us, but also in us and therefore through us. Something more is going on for Paul than just him seeing and knowing and believing in Jesus and putting his faith in him. But now it's the very likeness, the very character uh, of Jesus being worked out in his own poor, uh, in his own heart and his own life. He's going to go on to write later in this message that, that he wants Christ to be formed in the Galatians. This is Christ being formed in us. See, this is the power of God for, for salvation, not to only take Paul from being a persecutor to being just this average nice guy, a little bit bland, and you know, but no, to form Christ in him, 